Welcome to OpenBox. OpenBox aims at bringing easier understanding of open problems that help in finding solutions for these problems. For the set purpose, I interview researchers, practitioners who have published works or who have strong views about open problems in variety of areas in artificial intelligence, machine learning and allied areas. These are published as part of a podcast series. My name is Sundar. I'm an ethics and risk professional and an AI ethics researcher. I'm the host of this podcast. Ideas emerge when curiosity meets clarity. Here we go with open box to bring clarity to those curious minds looking to solve real world problems. This project is done in collaboration with For Humanity. For Humanity is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to minimizing downside risks of AI and autonomous systems. If you want to know more about For Humanity, visit https://forhumanity.center. Today, we have with us Carol. Carol is a machine learning practitioner working on NLP for the past five years, most recently with NVIDIA. Prior to this, she was working in the field of molecular biology. She is currently focusing on AI ethics, given the potential harms that AI can contribute to people. or impact people she wants to use her skills to prevent those harms and given her experience of nlp she wants to share her insights with reference to zero shot text classification we're going to pick up a paper which speaks about open issues of zero shot text classification and expand on that with the experience carol brings in the subject this paper was published in 2021 the title of the paper is issues with entertainment based zero shot text classification carol welcome to the show thanks for having me awesome so carol let's i think it's it's an interesting perspective that we're going to be looking at from a nlp standpoint let's start with this basic question what is zero shot classification Sure. So there's sort of two parts to that question, I guess. There's what is text classification and then what do we mean by zero shot? So let me start with zero shot. Zero shot means that we want to have a model that we can use for a specific use case without actually training it on that specific use case. So ideally we want to train the model in some very general way so that it's flexible enough that we can deploy it on a variety of different use cases. Text classification is what this paper focuses on and I got interested in this paper because I was working on conversational AI systems which are are things like Siri or Alexa and one of the things that's an important component of those systems is intent classification. So that's when if if you make a query to to a chatbot like you know tell me what the weather's going to be in Chicago tomorrow one of the first things that the system has to do is classify what is your intent so are you are you asking about weather or are you asking to play music or to get directions so that's a type of text classification There are other types of text classification as well. So, looking at spam, for example, so a classifier that that reads an email and decides if this is spam or not would be a very simple example of text classification. So, yeah. So, in the in the in zero shot text classification, what we want to be able to do is is have a model that can do a variety of different classification tasks without us having to collect. specific data for our use case and label the data and and the reason that's so desirable is that the labeling process is really a bottleneck 
it can be extremely labor intensive. So if we can somehow skip that step, it would be wonderful. Super. Now you touched upon a couple of points, one relating to intent classification, and you also spoke about how zero-shot classification helps in leveraging the power of data without spending a lot of time in labeling the data set at the primary level. Now let's first understand the intent classification part of it. Intent classification is, a, is well established with B and number of practices adopted with it and with GPT-3, BERT and transformers, there's always enhanced approach in leveraging the data and then classifying the text in an appropriate way. So now when you speak about these two together, how does it impact? How does it add value or how does it, it create challenges in this context when we speak zero shot and intent classification together? Yeah, so the, well, the zero shot piece of it really adds value by reducing the amount of time that you would need to spend collecting data and training data. So, or sorry, labeling data. So to give a concrete example, let's say you Let's say you're on an engineering team at an insurance company and you want to create a customer support chatbot for your company that would allow people to call in and say, you know, I want to pay my bill or I want to file a claim. So one of the first things that you would have to do in a, if, in a traditional method, a non-zero shot method, is you would have to collect or create a whole bunch of examples of what you think people are gonna say to the bot. And then you would label them. You would need to construct a set of categories that you wanna classify those, those utterances in, and you would need to spend some time labeling the data. And this can be a really labor intensive and time consuming process. Now, if we do that in a zero shot manner, we actually don't have to label any data. So we would just decide on our classes and then use an off the shelf model and, and we would basically be done. Yeah. When, when you're speaking about off-the-shelf model, I have another question to ask you, which is how are you differentiating off-the-shelf models from a pre-trained kind of model? Are you referring to pre-trained mm -hmm. kind of models or looking at models which can help in zero-shot per se? Yeah, I mean, the, the models have to be pre-trained in some way. So it's, yeah, it's not off the shelf in the sense of never having been trained at all, but it's been trained in some very general way so that it can then be deployed on, on a variety of use cases. So essentially, when we say that it's trained in a very general way, one thing that comes to my mind is language is so so complex, so, so distinct for different people, the language even if you and I speak the same language, the meanings and connotations are very different, right? So collecting data in a generalized way and using it brings a lot of questions to my mind. I'm curious to learn more about what kind of open issues that you're interested in speaking about zero-shot learning. Yeah, well, I think that, yeah, you bring up the basically like all of the, the issues that apply to language models in general apply to this use case as well. And so yeah, the, the issue that you just mentioned of the fact that there are so many different uh, different subsets of language and you know when we scoop up mo most of these models are pre-trained by scooping up tons of web scrape data and that really isn't a representative sample of all of human speech so yeah so there's a, so there's some issues right away when we we think we're pre-training in a general way by pre-training on the internet um, 
And then, you know, then this process of getting a model that can do text classification may involve additional training on top of just training the language model. And so then there, there could be additional issues that are, that are introduced at that point as well. Uh, what kind of additional issues are you speaking about when you're actually speaking about it, you need to train further? Are you speaking about training itself or are you speaking about tuning the model where you're trying to leverage the better outcomes from the model? Well, yeah, I guess I would say tuning it. Maybe it would help if we if we talked about the entailment approach that that's discussed in this paper. So what this is about is there's a there's a type of NLP task called natural language inference or also sometimes called recognizing textual entailment. And it's a task that, you know, people compete on. They try to come up with models that can do this well. And recently people have realized that you can, you can actually use a model trained in this way to do text classification. So how, how natural language inference works is you, you basically have two sentences. They're sometimes called the premise and the hypothesis, but I'll just call them sentence one and sentence two, just to, to make it a little simpler. And there's some kind of logical relationship between these two sentences, or there may not be a logical relationship. And the task is to recognize, is there or is there not a logical relationship? Um, so for example, if sentence one is, I watered my plants yesterday, and sentence two is, I have plants, there's a relationship there. We can say that, that the second sentence actually logically follows from the first. Like you can logically conclude that I have plants if I just told you I watered my plants. So that's called entailment, when the, the second sentence logically follows from the first. We could also have a contradictory sentence pair, like I, yesterday I, or today I watered my plants, and the second sentence could be, I don't have any plants. That's a contradictory relationship. Um, or if the second sentence was, I like pizza, then, <laughs> then there's no logical relationship. And so, the, so natural language inference is the task of, of classifying the relationship between those two statements. And what people have realized is that, or they think, <laughs> that if you train a model to perform that task, that the model is actually learning some sort of general, general ability to understand language. This paper calls into question actually whether whether it really has learned that or is it learning some more superficial features. Yeah, yeah, I think I think both the space of NLP and the space of image recognition are two spaces where uh, all of these ideologies are brought in and they are broken and then they are again built subsequently, right? So we go through a number of these learnings that come in through this process. It's interesting to learn about the, the factor that you're actually touching upon. Let's come to this point. Let's say if we're using entailment-based approach, now what is the core open problem that we're actually speaking about here? What's the issue? Is the issue associated with, is it because of complexity of language or the issues associated with generalization of language? Hmm. Well, I don't know if I could say it's either one or the other. I think they're both, I think they're both issues. Um, I, I mean, I think the core issue is it doesn't always work that well. So, so it, it can work well some of the time and in some use cases, but when you start to get into more complex use cases, things can break down and we're just not getting the performance in terms of accuracy that we need for every use case. I understand. So one of the things that I've tried earlier in one of my research is to look at hate speech detection models. 
systems, automated content moderation systems, and then see how effective they are and what are the ethical issues associated with it. One of the things that I've realized while testing them or trying to work with them is that they have poor understanding of regional language, regional representation of common language. Right. So English spoken in India, English spoken in China, English spoken in Australia, English spoken in UK have very different meanings mm. to it. Right. Yeah. And they have, they do not necessarily understand sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And uh, their understanding of double negative words are always inconsistent. Okay. Right. And these, uh, when you, when you spoke about the kind of approach, I could really see that all of these issues will also be very consistent for this kind of environment that we're speaking about because mm-hmm. again the the fundamental issues remain the same in these cases right yeah absolutely and i think that that's one of the things they show in this paper is that when there when there are sort of that the model can rely on shallow lexical patterns like a, a double negative i think i think it might have a really tough time interpreting that yeah. Uh, interesting. Okay, let's also touch upon another factor that could be of relevance here. Besides the fact, the open issues that are mentioned in the paper, I know that you had some points to share about open issues that would be relevant in this particular space. Do you want to touch upon uh, one of them? Yeah, yeah, sure. So one of the ones that I that I ran into in my work in Nvidia was none of the above. So, and actually we haven't really talked about how you use an NLI model for text classification. So maybe I should mention that to, to give yeah. context to the problem I'm about to bring up. Um, so how you would actually do it is, you know, I mentioned that these models operate on a sentence pair. So what you have to do is when, it, when a user talks to the system, you have to form that into a sentence pair. So, so let's say there's a, I have a digital assistant and it's capable of a few different intents. It's capable of handling, you know, play music, get a weather forecast and get directions. So if a user says something to that bot, like play the latest Taylor Swift song, it's got to classify it into one of those three three categories. And so how you would do that is you would you create a candidate label to serve as the second sentence. And so it might be something like, I want to play music, or I want to get a weather forecast, or I want to get directions. And so you form the query into a pair with each of those candidate labels. So if we if our system has three intents, we form three sentence pairs and we run inference on all three of them. So like sentence one is play the latest Taylor Swift song. Sentence two is I wanna play music. We send that to the model and ask, is this, does this show entailment or not? And in that example, it should, it should return a prediction of yes, this, there's, there's entailment there. And then with, I wanna play the latest Taylor Swift song. I, I want a weather report. If that's the sentence pair, we're hoping that the model gives us a prediction of not entailment. Um, so, so you, re- you rely on the, the probability of entailment that the model is predicting to tell you what category the, the user query fits into. The, the problem comes when, if you have a none of the above category in your system, which is very common, like very often you want to have sort of a catch-all category where the chatbot recognizes that you haven't asked about any of the categories that it knows how to handle. And then it, it may go to some sort of fallback response at that point, or it may, you know, divert your your call to a human operator or something. So the problem is, how do you write a candidate label for none of the above? 
right? So what's the, what's a, what's a second sentence that's going to have a high entailment with play the latest Taylor Swift song? I mean, you could try writing something like, you know, I'm asking about none of the above, but that's not going to that's not going to show entailment. So what people have have ended up doing is declaring a threshold. So we say like, okay, we, we not only have to predict entailment, but it has to be a probability higher than than X amount. And if so, if we don't get any scores above that threshold, then we're going to call this none of the above. Um, but that actually requires that you have some labeled data in order to decide on that threshold, which then at, at that point, if you need labeled data to do it, it's no longer truly a zero shot method. Absolutely. I think when you speak about thresholds, threshold is a huge ethical choice question. Mm. When you're making a decision yeah. with regard to the threshold, it's a huge ethical choice question in terms of being how you're making a decision, how you're influencing a decision with that threshold. Okay. Coming back to the point that you mentioned. Now, let's say if you are applying this circumstance, this kind of, let's say model in a, in a kind of use case of hiring, where currently we use a number of models that are applied in hiring environment for candidate assessments prior to interviews, right? These candidate assessments are again, text-based communications, text-based exchanges. All of this will have the relevance that you're actually speaking about. Let's say if in this, if there could be either a sentiment classification kind of environment, or there could be a intent classification of the responses when it is doing a psychometric analysis or even doing an assessment of confidence level of the candidate when they are responding to a particular subject, right? In both scenarios, there may be occasions where it's going to actually look for exploring none of the above, right? So how do you see that kind of use case and the implication of such models or such open issues in that use case? Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty high risk use case because there there's lots of room for for the results of the classification to be affected by by things like you mentioned where, you know, maybe a person is not speaking the same type of, you know, quote unquote standard language that the model was was mostly pre-trained on. And, and you know, that could lead to a spurious false negative or false positive. And so the, I think those issues are not necessarily related to a zero shot approach. I think even in a in a traditional fully supervised approach, you know, all of those issues are, are very much present. And I think that's something that you have to test very rigorously for if you're if you're training those types of models. I understand. Would you say the degree of implication in a zero shot and uh, a traditional transform model would be very different? I mean, I, I think one one issue, I guess, that comes to mind with, with using a zero shot model for that is if you're using a zero shot model, the implication is that you don't have labeled data or not much labeled data. And if you don't have labeled data, then you're also not able to test for whether your model is biased. Um, so that seems like a bad idea. <laughs> I think, that, I think you definitely there's want There's a lack to have... of ground truth. Yeah. There's a lack of ground truth and essentially you will not be able to validate it at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 Super. That's very, very interesting, Carl. It's, it's so interesting that we are discussing about this topic and we are exploring this. I'm, I, I want to thank you for sh you sharing all these insights. I would like to talk to you about the other issues that you're speaking in this 
particular context in the next episode thanks a lot for joining me in this part thank one. you thanks